Hello and welcome to the first Dean at Stumps podcast of 2023. I'm Dean Duplessis and uh, sincerely, well, first of all, let me uh, wish you a very, very happy and prosperous, healthy and successful 2023 and look forward to having many more podcasts and uh, interviewing some great players, administrators and everything else that goes with this podcast. Now, fun fact, did you know, so as we record this podcast, it is the 3rd of January 2023. Today, 26 years ago, on this very day, 3rd of January 1997, Edo Andre Brandes became the first Zimbabwean to uh, take a hat-trick for Zimbabwe in one-day international cricket when he took 5 for 28 against England to help Zimbabwe record a comfortable, very comfortable 131-run win and seal a three-match one-day international series, obviously by three games to nil. So uh, Brandis, uh, the hat-trick wickets were Nick Knight, John Crawley and Nasser Hussain. Uh, but then uh, he ended with figures of five for 28. So there you are, a little fun factor for you. It gives me great pleasure to welcome for the second time and certainly not the last time to the podcast, uh, freelance writer and journalist Liam Brickhill. Liam, great to have you here. How are you doing? I'm um, great, Dean. Thank you so much for having me back again. And on such a historic occasion as well. It <laughs> escaped my attention, but of course, what a, what a great day that was. Well, um, it was. Uh, how much, I mean, obviously you would have been a bit younger. Do you, uh, did you follow that game at all? Or is it, you know, I mean, was it a bit before your there time? In, it's there in the memories. Um, it was at a time when um, my dad was really into cricket. And he kind of dragged dragged me along, uh, somewhat unwillingly to cricket matches um, back in those days. But I do I do remember that that occasion and uh, other similar occasions. It would have been I can't remember exactly when it would have been, but at a similar kind of time, uh, my first ever cricket match with my dad. Uh, this this memory I have uh, walking in there with him, and he looks up at the old scoreboard that they used to have there at Harare Sports yeah. Club. And Zim were playing India, and he says, "Ah, Tendulkar's out." And uh, little um, ignorant Liam just says, "Ah, is, is that good?" <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it was pretty good. Um, but yeah, no, definitely great memories of, of uh, Harare Sports Club all through the years, and especially that game. Yeah, the, I mean, for me, that game was just incredible because the ground was too full; I couldn't get in. And, and this is how amazing it was. We arrived at the ground. At nine, at eight forty-five, as you know, one-day international start here in Zimbabwe at nine thirty local time, and it was full. So we were normally accustomed to the ground being maybe half to three quarters full when we arrived at that time. So different to how it is now. Now the crowds only start pulling in, at, you know, just after lunchtime. And anyway, we get there and there's no way it's not going to happen. So my brother, because he had, a, uh, he was very lucky at a corporate tent that he went to. I had to be brought back home and, and listen to the game on the TV. Anyway, we got back in time and it wasn't the end of the world. Yeah, I was a bit disappointed, but it's all right. Turn on the TV just as a toss is being held. And um, England won the toss and decide to bowl. And Alistair Campbell was so grumpy and annoyed and angry at the toss. You know, you normally have to try and just say things like, well, you know what, we would have liked to have had a bowl, but it's just one of these things, you know, to try and get runs on the board. Wow. And I remember, just remember him being so, so angry and, and, and disheartened that he'd lost the toss and was going to be batting first. But that's exactly what Zimbabwe did. And they made 249 for seven in their 50 overs, half centuries for Grant Flower and Grumpy Alistair Campbell, <laughs> who made 18 out batting in number three. 
him so, and, uh, and uh, Dave Houghton and Andy Flower and, and Paul Strang then gave the innings a lot of momentum to get to 249. But you know, Liam, one thing that I remember very much was Andy Flower being at the crease. And this is how cricket has evolved over 26 years. So Andy Flower plays this incredible uh, sweep shot of Ronnie Irani, medium pacer, but very accurate. And it goes, I don't know how many rows, up into the stands at square leg. And Ian Botham and the late Bob Willis and Paul Allott couldn't stop talking about this sweep shot. And it just goes to show that now, 26 years later, I mean, it's a shot that not only the English batsmen play with such, you know, there's so much more innovation at the crease. I think it was also at a time where English cricket in terms of one day cricket was stagnating. It was going absolutely nowhere. And of course, how that's changed over the years. But 26 years down the line, you know, it, it's now thought of as pretty blasé and, and a piece of cake when you when you play shots like that off seamers. Absolutely. <coughs> Andy Flower was a, was a man ahead of his time in, in, in so many ways on the cricket field. Um, but I suppose us Zimbabweans always kind of have been uh, uh, perhaps out of necessity, um, which is the mother of invention, That's right. uh, somewhat a ahead of our time. Uh, if you think back to as well, uh, Dave Houghton and the reverse sweep and his kind of penchant for the reverse sweep even earlier in the 1980s yes. and all through his career, uh, when that was a very, very rare shot to see. Um, and, I, and may I just say, Dean, as well, that it never fails to impress me. <laughs> You're, you're absolutely um, encyclopedic and um, kind of photographic memory, <laughs> if I can put it that way, for all these things. It's, it's absolutely yeah. incredible. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. You, you know, you, you brought back a memory now again to me um, where <clears throat> when Andy Flower in 2000 was playing that reverse sweep at will. Uh, against India and Ravi Shastri was on commentary and he was saying I don't know what everybody's so surprised about because when I used to play against Dave Houghton and in the 80s he played that reverse sweep with, with regularity so surely after a, a Dave having coached Zimbabwe and, and having played with with Andy somebody whether it be Andy Flower, Grant Flower, anybody else was going to play the reverse sweep so mm. I, I'm not so sure what the fuss is, is all about you know and he was yeah, he was just saying, why are you guys so surprised? Somebody would have to take over from Dave Houghton and, and play that shot with such such regularity, you know. And mm. We were all gasping and, you know, and he was, come on, guys, you know, you should know better than that. Um, and, the, and the tradition continues as well. Well, well it does, in, it does. And players like Sean Williams. Sean Williams. Um, and, I, and I hope it, it continues yeah. in this new, new crop of batsmen, the next generation as well. Um, I'm wondering like, like to Tadiu and Ashimarumani and so on, whether they would be confident in, in beginning to play that stroke. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, you know, we, we talk about these guys like Andy Flower and Dave Houghton and um, playing that stroke um, uh, back then when it was somewhat uh, revolutionary. I think when, in cricket today, you, all, you almost have to have some, you know, you, you have to have options. You have to be able to either sweep, reverse sweep, or have, have some other yeah. shots in your repertoire um, just to kind of score in, in white ball cricket. Uh, uh, batsmen can often seem very limited um, in, the, in the modern game if they don't have, you know, the lap, the reverse sweep, the scoop, or, or something, something that you can pull out when you, when you really need to score some runs. Ramping and scooping and... Uh, I'm not entirely sure I, well, you know me, I've never been the biggest fan of the reverse sweep, but it is a shot that, ha I mean, I totally understand and agree with what you're saying because, you know, the game has just evolved. But I, I do find, and, I, and I'm just looking at the, the Australia-South Africa series, and I do find that 
a lot of the younger South African batters who predominantly play white ball cricket or limited overs cricket are finding it harder to adapt and adjust to playing red ball cricket whereas a lot of the, the, the batsmen say 20 years ago or whatever the case may be who played a lot of red ball cricket found it easier to adapt to the white ball format so you initially look at Jacques Cullis who wasn't really known for being a very aggressive batsman but he mm. eventually found a way that worked very nicely for him in the T20 format and he held his own I mean Hashim Amla I think a classic example is Hashim Amla nobody would have thought that Hashim would have scored hundreds in T20 cricket and guess what he got to play for the IPL and he scored a hundred in the IPL and he mm. was known very much for playing the longer format of the game, the best format of the game, test cricket, red ball cricket. So I, I just find at the moment that uh, the, these incredibly precocious young talents who look good at white ball cricket uh, are finding the, the adaption very difficult to, to playing obviously the best format of the game. I think you're, you're absolutely onto something there. Um, you know, test cricket is, is kind of the pinnacle of the game. And if you can succeed against the red ball, <coughs> which is nipping and moving around um, uh, much more and for much longer than the white ball does in a variety of conditions and a variety of match situations that you inevitably um, come up against in test cricket, um, then yeah, 100%, that sets you up to, for, 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 for game awareness and for um, you know, uh, playing the, the, the white ball that doesn't move quite as much. Yeah, I think you're really onto something there. Mm. The, the, the kind of, the true test of the game kind of uh, really does um, develop young, young cricketers. Uh, and and it, is, it does seem, I suppose, I mean, the only one who comes to mind who's gone the other way and gone from white ball into red ball cricket and succeeded, I suppose, da someone like David Warner. Yes. But yes, I mean, he's, he's, he's a rarity. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I suppose, um, you know, to a lesser extent, Josh Butler has had some, some fame um, in, in, I mean, he scored the odd hundred um, in, in test match cricket, but I think, uh, you know, he's now very focused on what he wants as a captain of the, of the white ball game. And, uh, mm. and, and does pretty well at that. But I always just find that the majority of the cricketers who have consistency in terms of success, uh, you know, find their, their feet first. They're normally the ones who, who do very well in the longer formats, the Red Bull formats, and then find a way that works for them in the shorter formats as well. And I mean, from a Zimbabwe perspective, you know, Grant Flower and both the Flower brothers were, were actually very boring one-day cricketers. They really were. But as time progressed and, and they played more one-day internationals, you know, Grant was devastating at the back end of an innings if mm. he was there long enough. He really was. He was he was more devastating than Andy in terms of clearing the boundary and and so on. But it's wonderful to talk about these things, Liam, but we better focus on the present and focus on the future. So uh, let's have a look at 2022 in terms of, of Zimbabwe cricket. A bit of a bittersweet symphony, wasn't it? Because it started off appallingly, then went through an incredibly good dip and... I suppose ended slightly disappointingly in, in terms of it would have been nice to have seen Zimbabwe beat Bangladesh and the Netherlands in the T20 World Cup. But uh, let's just uh, start back and hear your assessments from, from 2022 where things initially got off to a, or where Zimbabwe certainly at that time were very much in free fall and in decline. Absolutely. Um, kind of peaks and troughs this year, some massive yeah. highs, some really low lows. Um, uh, on and off the field. 
Um, I guess starting the year with uh, with the with the whole all the news about Brendan Taylor and all that all that stuff coming out is. I mean, I guess we got the low point <laughs> yeah, out, of out of the, the way, way of, yeah. um, first yeah. thing off the field anyway. Um, but yeah, there was kind of, I mean, I, I, perhaps you felt it as well, but it's somewhat of a, of a depressed mood in, in cricket in Zimbabwe. And not just because of the Taylor stuff, although obviously that, is, uh, that was devastating for, for all sorts of uh, reasons and such, you know, such, a, uh, such a tragedy. Um, but I mean, even on the field, it seemed as though Zimbabwe had kind of reached uh, um, the end of the road or, well, that's not the way I want to put it, but I suppose, you know, they, 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 they do sometimes say that coaches have, have an expiry date. Yes. And um, not to be too uh, critical of Rajput or anything like that, but it, 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 it did seem as though Zimbabwe were a little bereft of ideas and were not um developing as a as they needed to and i mean <clears throat> if you look at the results with with namibia and then the six nil against afghanistan that 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 followed kind of in the first half of the year that's pretty obvious although i one thing i did think watching the um zimbabwe namibia games and also kind of looking at how namibia have done subsequent to that um is that at the time it's it, it, I mean, obviously, it wasn't a good look, Zimbabwe losing um, a historic series to, to Namibia for the first time. But I think that was as much a consequence of um, perhaps a bit of kind of a lackluster kind of mood in the Zimbabwe camp or, what, yeah. or, or whatever, as yes. it was Namibia um, kind of on the ascent. Uh, as they showed at the World Cup, they're, they're a good little cricket team and they've got, uh, you know, they've, they've got something to them. So... Perhaps uh, we shouldn't see the Namibia loss uh, as quite as, as devastating it was as it, as it felt at the time. Um, and for me, actually, kind of the, the, the Afghanistan games were, were a bit harder to, harder to stomach, harder to watch in a way, um, because one hoped that Zimbabwe would be able to compete for uh, kind of bigger stretches of the game but in every department it, it just appeared that Afghanistan were were just that much better so that that was a little hard to see um, but then I mean uh, <laughs> in comes Dave Houghton um, just in the nick of time before the qualifiers <laughs> and it's incredible how quickly things turned around I mean did you get a sense of that as well yeah very I, I mean absolutely look I I knew that he would turn things around, but I have to confess, I didn't think it would be as swiftly as that. Um, you know, and I, it was interesting. I spoke to a lot of people after the T20 World Cup qualifiers, and, and they were saying, well, I don't know why everybody, you know, Zimbabwe really should have beaten all these teams. You know, it, should have, it shouldn't have been any different. But you heard the interview, I'm sure you did, that I had with Sikanda Raza. Mm. And um, we were talking about, about that in the interview and he's, because we spoke about how things have changed in six months. And he said, six months ago, Dean, we wouldn't even have qualified to have gone to the T20 World Cup, uh, to the T20 World Cup. So that was Raza himself, who's normally yeah. an incredibly upbeat and positive individual, being very realistic and saying, you know what, if that change didn't happen, 
And every interview I've, I've had with him and with every other player, by the way, Reggie Chakava, Ines Kaya, have put all the credit on, on Dave Houghton and what he's done and how he, in such a short space of time, and I, I guess it's even from an England perspective, Brendan McCullum, look what he did with that test side mm. when he took over from Chris Silverwood. You know, so I think it just goes to show how, how vitally important uh, a good coach is in a setup. And if we say good, we don't necessarily mean in terms of, of the track record that he had before he joined a team or anything of that nature. But man management, I sometimes feel is more important, uh, well, well, not more important, is equally important as the ability to improve a player because that man management invariably leads to the improvement of a player, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, and I was, I had the extreme good fortune um, at those qualifiers to be inside the Zimbabwe changing room um, after they qualified um, and listening to Dave Houghton talk to his team. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned kind of man management and um, it was just so readily apparent um, how, how I guess close everyone had had come in such a short amount of time how much Dave Houghton cares and how happy the players were in his I mean obviously they just won a game and qualified for the World Cup but it was just a, it was just a good vibe you know the way Houghton spoke to his boys the way they were around him um, and also <laughs> he spoke to me afterwards and th this was after the semi-final when Zimbabwe had just qualified yeah. um, and I thought and I, was, I asked him well what do you think will, the, will a few of the lads go out for a beer tonight and he's like well you know I, I, I thought they might but I honestly don't think anyone's going to because the boys are saying it's not over they didn't come here just to, to win the semi-final and, and, and get to the World Cup they came here to win every single game including the final mm. and you won't see any of them um, celebrating too much or, or, or you know going wild with a beer or two anything like that until the job's done and uh, yeah it was it was absolutely like that um, and I, I'm glad we've we've kind of introduced uh, Sikandar Raza to the kind of conversation uh, fairly early on as well um, because the abiding feeling for me looking I mean you know all, all these peaks and troughs highs and lows of, of 2022 for me, it's been the year of Raza. Yeah, um, I mean, he's just been, you know, uh, not since the halcyon days of Andy Flower, who we started this convers conversation talking about the likes of Andy Flower. Um, not since, you know, his, his, his re uh, hot streak um, has, a, has a single player kind of so inspired and galvanized the team and kind of dragged them with him. <laughs> You know, Raza yeah. played so well um, that even though, you know, some, some guys had good years, some guys had bad years. Generally, I think everyone contributed this mm. year, but, but Raza pulled everyone had, along. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, everybody did. And, yeah. I, and, and I think that that's a very valid point that you make. And when Andy Flower was at his peak, I mean, we understand we're not making comparisons because you cannot do that. Uh, s situations were very, very different. But the point is when Andy Flower was at his peak, the rest of the team, there was a lot of financial st stuff happening off the field as well. Uh, salaries not being in order or not, not being to the liking of the players. You know, Zimbabwe had lost Murray Goodwin and Neil Johnson. Um, there was a very big rift in the team because 
some of the players felt that Andy Fly had been very unfairly dealt with by Zimbabwe Cricket Union, that his streak was not fit enough to captain the side, and that Andy should have carried on captaining the side. So there was the, the Andy Flyer camp, there was the Heath Street camp, which obviously when you play together as a team makes you very uncohesive. Because uh, if you think about it, it was all about Andy Flower. The results from a Zimbabwe perspective were not very good. Mm. You know, they lost regularly, they lost a test series to India 1-0. In patches, some of the other players played well. But generally, it was all about Andy. So you were able to sweep away the blemishes of the team because you had a, t uh, a batsman rocket from being number 10 to number one in less than a month in the world. Yeah. However, on this occasion, it's very, very different. And this is, in my opinion, is what makes Sikandar Raza's uh, situation a lot more unique than Andy Flowers. And those are big words to make, but um, sure. I, will, I will make them. Is because of the fact that Raza, it, it, weren't, it wasn't just individual performances by a single player as it was from Andy Flowers' perspective. Admittedly, some of the players were out of form, but we did see some good performances from Brad Evans, Richard Angarava, you know, um, and, and to a lesser extent, Craig Irvin, who played that very valuable innings to, against Scotland to ensure mm. that Zimbabwe got through to the Super 12s. Mm. Sean Williams as well had, had his part to play, not at his best, but he did have a part to play. Mm. A ton for Innocent Kaya. And Innocent Kaya, yeah. absolutely, mm. against Bangladesh, that magnificent 100. Yeah. He's maiden 100, and, and I sincerely hope it, it's the first of many to come for Innocent, you know. Um, I don't know if there's any other names you can think of off the top of your head. But, but although Raza did dominate, certainly with bat and ball in the field and, and a lot of what he did, mm. but you're absolutely right. There were Regis Chakava. We need to mention that 100 that he scored against Bangladesh in absolutely. the second one-day international. That, to me, was the best 100 scored in the season from a Zimbabwean in terms of one-day cricket. Yes, you will say that Innocent Kaya was outstanding because it was his maiden 100 and it did set up the win. But just the way that he came in and Reggie scored that 100 of 72 or 76 deliveries, mm. gosh, it was amazing. And he'd and been threatening to do something like had. that he, for he, a couple he, of yes, years now. Yes, he certainly had. Yeah. He, especially, I think it was about a year or so, or maybe two years ago, when Bangladesh were here. Opening the batting, and he did. He just didn't quite get it together. And finally, it did come together. Unfortunately, he's in a terrible uh, vein of form now. But um, so basically a lot of players contributed around Sikandaraza, which therefore gave Zimbabwe the success that they have in qualifying for the T20 World Cup, in then defeating Bangladesh in the T20 internationals, and then those three one internationals, they're winning that series by two games to one, and the success that they had in the T20 World Cup itself. 90% it, it, of it probably was Raza, but the, the other players who did play their part played significant parts as well. Absolutely. And just, just to go uh, back quickly to something that you, you mentioned just a short while ago, um, the difference between kind of Andy Flowers' day and Sekunda Raza's day um, is that, and, and isn't it a pleasure that we can talk, we can kind of review a year and in terms of kind of, you know, gripes about salaries or anything like that, I don't remember anything really uh, uh, along those lines no, through the year and it just shows um, how quickly um, kind of positivity can come into the game if, if these these elements that that need to be in place kind of sort the off-field stuff out um, and 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 let the players do their thing let them do their jobs what they're what they're there to do and not have to worry about what's going on off the field um, 
and the, the, the results flow so quickly. Um, and, and although, you know, Zimbabwe haven't won everything this year, they haven't, you know, we haven't de demolished teams, but honestly, for me, that's enough. I'm, I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm being too humble and, or, uh, you know, not not selfish enough to want more out of the team or anything. Maybe but not too you know, ruthless enough. Not too not ruthless enough. Yeah, but, yeah. but it's a start, and 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 I'm happy with that. You know, um, it just goes to show that um, you know there is talent in Zimbabwe. There is something to this team, and they they can beat big sides. You know, they they beat a finalist at the World Cup. Um, you know, they've they beat Australia in Australia. Um, and sure, they, they weren't winning series there, but, um, you know, if, if, if this kind of uh, positive momentum can roll on for, you know, another year, another two years, um, and, you know, d domestic cricket continues to strengthen and perhaps uh, a few more players are tempted back into the system, you know, we, we can only dare to dream that, you know, Zimbabwe could have gotten to a semi-final at the T10 yeah. World Cup with one or two results that you know matches they could have won um things things could have been very different um so yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to next year's world cup as well i know we have to qualify first but <laughs> well is it know. actually next year or this year, oh, this year. Just, <laughs> yes it is now because we're into the news oh, so you, we are. No, but, but oh, okay goodness, so yeah. i think we need to so there was a bit of confusion around that so from what i understand is we have qualified for the world cup but it's just that had we beaten um, Bangladesh and the Netherlands, we, we would have been automatically have been in the Super 12. Sure. Now we're in the first round again for the T20. So we are in the yeah. first, but it's not it's not like it was when we had to qualify yeah. uh, in Bulawayo earlier or uh, last year as yeah. well. But so although we're not quite out of the woods yet, either, no, with no, the no, one no, day right. with that's the one true. day game, yeah. I mean, that's going to be very interesting indeed. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a bit about that. That's going to be played later this year. Uh, when is it? Ju July-ish. July. I think July. Yeah. yeah. Um, I tell you what, this could be this could be very tricky from a Zimbabwe perspective because you may possibly have the likes of South Africa, Sri Lanka, possibly the West Indies as well. Mm. Um, it's, it really is not going to be an easy it's not going to be an easy assignment. Yeah, no, and and I guess um, well, thankfully we've uh, Zimbabwe have had a good year, um, and hopefully we'll have a, another good six months um, kind of uh, leading up to that. I think it is a big positive. I mean. Pros and cons, playing at home qualifiers, uh, they'll know the conditions really well. They'll have home support. I think there is an element of pressure that comes with that, though, kind of hopes of a nation on your shoulder and that sort of thing. Um, but Zimbabwe have a great chance, I think, to, uh, to, to, to do something at those qualifiers and get to the World Cup. As you mentioned, there are going to be some big teams there. I'm not 100% sure exactly who's going to be there, yeah, but there's going to be some big out yet. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. I, I think it's still in the last uh, processes and, and so on. So we'll know a little later on in the year as to who exactly it will be. Perhaps we'll see some slow, low wickets in July, though. If the South Africans are coming to the qualifiers, we might have to do something about those fast But I, I have to be honest with you, is that the way to go? Because <laughs> um, I don't think our batters are actually particularly good on these low, slow pitches. I actually think they like the ball coming onto them. Mm. Uh, okay, not, not, not as dramatic as Townsville in Australia. Mm. But, you know, I just... You know, there's been this myth around Zimbabwe cricket for many years that Zimbabwe spinners have always won games for Zimbabwe because of the fact that there was a time when they had a, a, a you know, a combination of, of pretty decent spinners. 
But Prosper Sayer, Graham Creamer, and Ray Price, and all those guys, they don't play for Zimbabwe anymore. Mm. And, and furthermore, the, the problem that I always had with, an, with, a, um, with that theory was that although Zimbabwe spinners did do very well in restricting the opposition and at times even dismissing the opposition, the Zimbabwe batsmen were not capable or able to actually chase those totals down because they couldn't play spin. Sure. Now, I, I remember seeing a stat during the World Cup, I think it was, um, about uh, batsmen versus spin in world cricket. I, th I can't remember if it was the, the list was all the full members um, or it was just teams at the World Cup, but the only team that was worse than the West Indies <laughs> facing spin was Zimbabwe. Yep. And that, I was yeah. surprised yeah. about that, actually. That, Were you uh, really? I, 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 was, I must admit that did not surprise me at all. But I could hear the surprise in Carlos Braithwaite's voice, voice in uh, Carlos Braithwaite. He was commentating at the time. Uh -huh. And uh, he always thought that the West Indies were the worst, but it's actually Zimbabwe who, who were the worst at that. Yeah. So I'm not so sure low and slow is the way to go unless you have a, uh, a late Shane Warne or Mutai yeah. or Rithran who yeah. can win your game. No, we just don't want it going side with the ball moving sideways. Yeah. So if, you know, yeah. Come on to the bat, <laughs> but not, not hooping around corners on the way there. The return of Gary Balance. Mm. What's your thoughts on that? It's an interesting one. I, I had, had hoped that um, a couple couple things. Um, I had hoped that they might get him into a few more Logan Cup games a Absolutely. bit quicker, but I suppose he's been out for a, quite a lengthy period of time and needs to kind of get match fit before any, anything like that happens. Um, in terms of kind of the wider context um, around it, um, you know, honestly, I, I feel like Zimbabwe cricket stand to gain and Gary Balance both stand to gain something from from the arrangement. Um, obviously, uh, Balance is trying to kind of uh, rebuild his career, rehabil rehabilitate his career. Um, and Zimbabwe provides an opportunity to do that. And there's good vibes in Zim at the moment. There's, you know, the t there's positivity in the team. So a good situation for him to come into. From the Zimbabwean side, um, you know, uh, having someone with so much experience um, in the middle order at a time when perhaps uh, our core of seniors that we've relied on for so many years are all kind of a similar age and, and are probably, you know, I'm not calling anyone's retirement no, just no, yet, no. but, but you know, it's, um, it's good to have someone co coming in who's, who's, who's not a youngster, but he's not at the end of his career either. You know, he's got a couple of years left in him. Um, and at, at a time like this when, you know, as we mentioned, there's some, uh, some uh, challenging qualifying run coming up, but a potential trip to India for the ODI World Cup then another World Cup to follow the next year. A good time to, to, to get that kind of injection of experience into the middle order. But if I look at his limited overs statistics, they don't really fill me with a great deal of hope because they're not actually that impressive. He has a strike rate of late 60s, mid 70s, which suggests that he struggles to rotate strike. Um, and even that average isn't all that good in the amount of, of cricket that he played for England and, and even for Yorkshire, to be perfectly honest with you. don't think you can fault his first-class average and his test average, uh, but um, it, it just worries me that we may have, as you know, Zimbabwe over the years have produced many batsmen who strike the ball quite nicely, but it's either a block or a, or a hit situation and it, it's very few Zimbabwe batters who have mastered the skill in rotating and manipulating the strike and I fear 
that we may have a similar situation with Gary Balance as well. And, yeah, and that's another reason that why they should, uh, I mean, why hopefully he will, he will get involved in domestic cricket as quickly as possible so we can really, you know, get a good look at him um, in these conditions and in this context. Um, you know, kind of low strike, strike rates and low averages are not exactly uncommon <laughs> in, no. in, in, in domestic cricket here. Um, so, but, you know, I mean, I suppose the majority of that would have been in English conditions. I'm not sure... You know, I, I don't follow the English game that closely, and I, I know they do prepare pretty flat pitches often for, for white ball cricket in England, but I'm sure the ball does kind of dip and move around a bit more than it would here. Um, so I really want to have a look at him in the Zimbabwean context and then kind of um, judge him in, in comparison to the other resources that are, are available um, to Zimbabwe. But, you know, these... Worth a punt, if you ask me. It's worth no, no, a punt. No, absolutely. I mean, the, yeah. the experience that he brings is—you're sure. is, is, uh, not going to get find that in a, in a hurry. I mean, not a bad fielder no, either. No, no, he's pretty. What is he? A pretty good slipper as well. Yeah, I think. A slip and cover. cover. I, I've seen him take good. some great catches. Yes, in the covers, especially yeah. at cover those yeah. big hands of his. Um, so yeah, no. In, in that regard, I totally agree with you, Liam, uh, because you know, and he's calm as well. Yeah. He's very calm, and, and and you know, if you have that calmness in the side. Um, I can just imagine in the field when things maybe get a bit tense, you know, I can imagine Gary Balance sauntering in and having a chat, putting a hand on a bowler's shoulder and, and just say, just stay calm, keep calm. Mm. You know, this is what we need to be doing uh, because of the fact that he's obviously played in the Vitality Blast, he's played in the London Cup, he's played in pressure situations, even in the county championship. And, and um, you know, even in England, I mean, he's, he's scored, or for England, he scored, I think it's four test hundreds. Mm -hmm. And that, that's, that's vitally important. So in that aspect, I think he's going to bring a lot of good and, and stability. Um, now, it's interesting. We talk of some of the players who are getting on a bit. Are you still happy with Craig Irvin captaining the side? Um, to be honest, I absolutely am. Yeah, I think, I think Craig, Craig Irvin, you know, in his, in his kind of uh, earlier on in his career, I never called him as a captain, although I'm sure he's, he, might, he must have, he's definitely captain Tuskers on occasion and I'm sure, you know, as, as captain previously. Um, but, he, but he never really struck me as, as he, he always struck me as a team man, a great, a oh, great team man. So. But, but I'm, you know, I, I, I didn't kind of call him out as a, a captaincy candidate. But to be honest with you, um, I think he's done, a, he's done a great job in terms of, you know, you mentioned man management and the um, calmness he brings to the camp um, the, the kind of his, his, his apparent willingness to um, work within a leadership group, um, work and, and maximize Zimbabwe's resources. Um, there could be a little more, perhaps, adventurism in his, uh, uh, some more uh, aggression, maybe. Yeah, Feel sure. Pretty, but uh, yeah, but yes. I, I like the calmness he brings to Zimbabwean cricket. Um, I think he's been a great captain and... Um, you know, in this day and age, um, I think players can play longer than they used to, um, especially someone who's as fit as he is and has been fit for, for years and years oh, yeah, and he's yeah, really yeah. looked after himself. I mean, we look at kind of James Anderson as the kind of epitome of the modern fit player who can play much longer than, you know, if, he, if he'd played in the 70s, he, he, there's no way he'd still be playing um, at the age he is now. Um, so, for me, it's I'm I'm not really looking at his his age. 
um, just yet. I think he's our I think he's our best best captain at the moment. Um, maybe the the thing to look at is for the next World Cup cycle. So you know, look look at 2027. We're co-hosting. He's definitely not going to be captain, captaining by <laughs> he then. He wouldn't be playing either by then, you would imagine. No, no. But, <coughs> but, but let's now let look, look at um, uh, a younger player to kind of um, get some really good experience um, in the next couple of years. For, for me, uh, Craig Irvin uh, is, is still a great captain and um, I'd, I'd have him on uh, for a while yet. But maybe thinking of 2027 uh, for, for, for kind of the next change of, of, of leadership. I'm going to talk a bit about about uh, two of Zimbabwe's fast bowlers. The one who's who's really been outstanding, recovering from an injury and just been, in my opinion, he's just been out very very good. And then another one, who seems to have slightly fallen by the wayside. Richard Ngarava has come along in leaps and bounds. He really has bowled well. I, to me, that over uh, against Pakistan. You remember when he was hit for quite a few runs, mm. and he came back and he, ha and he and he just kept it together, kept his head and bowled an over which I think only went for about two or three runs. You know, not many bowlers in the past, and I tell you what, I can think of a, a bowler who we spoke of very early on in the piece, took a hat-trick 26 years ago. <laughs> if he'd been taken for the amount of runs that Richard Ngarava had, he would not have come back and bowled the good over that Richard had. I can assure you, he would have been a broken man. <laughs> now, and, um, now we look at, at, at Richard Ngarava, and he came back and he bowled a magnificent over, which then allowed Brad Evans to seal the deal for Zimbabwe with, the, what, with what he did. So Richie has come along nicely, but I, mm. I, I just feel that Blessing Muzarabani is not quite at his best. I mean, he wasn't duly expensive, mm. but I, I felt that he, he bowled with, he didn't have the penetration that we have become so accustomed to see yeah. Blessing bowl with in, in that T20 World Cup. And against India, to me, he looked exhausted at the end. There. I think there, there, perhaps there's, um, I don't know if, if we can say he's been overbold at all, but he he was definitely carrying some slight injuries, and I'm mm. not sure. I think he was so valuable. This is my opinion. So valuable to the uh, kind of game plans that they they wanted him in the team, um, even if he wasn't quite 100% fit. Um, so I think he was. It was an elbow, something like that, that he was that he was struggling with. Well, we're just talking, and we're just going to continue. Uh, we're going to be we're lifting up our microphones, and we're walking inside now because a little bit of rain has come in. So we're just going to be moving inside and away from the, the little bit of uh, drizzle. Yes, I think you, you bring a, up a very valid point, and, and that takes me to the next point: is it is it worth playing at a, a bowler who is not a hundred percent fit when you have a situation like that? I mean, Zimbabwe aren't really in positions to. Uh, to choose and to, to make decisions, are they, because of the limited uh, resources that they have. But, you know, when you look at, at what happened, I feel very sorry for Blessing because he definitely wasn't at his best. Mm. And perhaps um, because we've come to expect so much from him because he, he, he looked so, so good previously, that uh, if, if, it was a, if, it, if we were talking about another bowler, We'd say, ah, well, you know, it was okay, but because we ex expect more from Blessing, he was he was a bit off his straps. But yeah, as you as you said, kind of with the resources that we have as Zimbabwe, you 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 kind of are forced into that decision yeah. um, to kind yeah. of play him. But uh, speaking of Richard and Garava as well, the, the thing I've noticed about him um, is that he's added the the ball that swings into the right yes, hand, he has. and yeah. that's made I think yeah. that's made a really big difference because. He always had a bit of nip. He's obviously tall, so he gets a bit of bounce. 
um, but there was a bit of a kind of a sameness to his bowling that people could perhaps line him up a bit early on his, in his career. Um, and I'm not, I guess it's working with um, the, the kind of couple of bowling coaches that Zimbabwe have had recently, Dougie Hondo and um, was it Steve James? Um, yes, and, ja and Jabulu Nube. Uh, Nube, yeah, of course, yeah. Ab absolutely. Um, has added this uh, kind of one that, that nips into the right-hander. And I think that's, that's, I mean, that's made a difference. Um, and he's more accurate as well. Oh, he's definitely more accurate. He's, yeah. he's definitely, but I think the point that you make, I think the point that you make is a very good one. Uh, in terms, in terms of, uh, in terms of him being able to get that one to nip back into the right-hander, because as a left-arm seamer, you you definitely, you definitely do need to have that in your in your armory. Absolutely, no, yeah. you do, you do. So uh, let's look ahead now. Um, I, I, yeah, actually, I need to return to a point that you made and about Gary Balance. Not, I, I, I must admit, when I received the email from Zimbabwe Cricket that um, he was he was a part or that he was returning and he'd signed a contract and so on. I actually was of the opinion that he was going to start playing with the immediate effect, playing Logan Cup cricket. Mm. You know, I thought he was back in the country and that he was going to start playing. Do you, do you happen to have any insight information as to why that has not been the case? I mean, you spoke about match fitness. Is that not exactly where you want to become match fit and playing in the Logan Cup? I mean, I guess so, but he, I'm not sure how much cricket he'd been playing before he came to them, and I imagine it's not very much. Not a great deal. I no. do know he's been working in the nets i've seen some stuff on social media of him kind of uh working in the nets so i and he's here um so i i don't know perhaps it was just uh that he felt he wasn't quite ready um yeah i'm not i'm not sure well, was that that um that video i think i know the one you're alluding to uh where he was batting inside indoors yes yeah, that's the one yeah. that's the one well i'm judging by sound of course but it certainly sounded as if he was indoors he looked like he was still in pretty good touch actually to really? be honest yeah, <laughs> well that's good that's that's good to know yeah he does have a pretty decent cover drive and um, I think when he does go big, it's invariably over Kyle Corner, if my memory serves me correctly. Mm. And you, you know, one thing actually, just to if we just to touch on Gary Balance again, yeah. the thing that um, um, th that I just found interesting, I suppose I can put it that way, is that obviously there's been with the whole kind of Yorkshire racism scandal and 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 all this stuff that that had happened in English cricket, and in the news that Gary Balance. Um, was coming to Zimbabwe. I, I was interested to see what the reaction from uh, kind of the Zimbabwean cricket yeah. community would be. Yes. And I don't know if you've seen much different, but from what from what I can tell, um, and I, I'm not sure what to make of it, but it's just kind of an, an, an observation, and I think an interesting one, is that um, virtually everyone that I have spoken to or that I've seen people talking about it on social media um, is kind of just happy to have him here. And yes, I've that's been an that. interesting reaction. Yeah. And I, I think that's, maybe it speaks to the kind of good vibes in Zimbabwean cricket. Maybe it speaks to the, the general feeling in Zimbabwe's cricket public that, uh, what we want is a winning team. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, perhaps what what might have happened in the past is not that important um i don't know it was just it no was just you're right Liam, you're suppose. absolutely right yeah. and i mean of course the biggest thing is it, it's my personal hope that he has the best years of his life in terms of an international cricketer playing for the country of his birth because if he does that it's going to it's going to significantly um increase zimbabwe's 
win ratio as a team as well. So here's wishing Gary Balance, however, for however long he plays for Zimbabwe, nothing but the very, very best and that he scores considerably more runs than what he did for England when he, when he played for England. Um, I think that'll be, that would be a, a great thing. Um, anything else that you personally have observed and that you feel that you'd like to uh, bring to your attention? I, for one, have been following leg spinner Brandon Mavuta with a great deal of excitement. You know, there was a time when he was bowling beautifully. He then lost a lot of form and I think confidence as well. But boy, he certainly seems to have discovered something. And I, and I, I do hope that he'll be in consideration if not for the Island series, and especially for the test matches against the West Indies down in Bulawayo. Sure, yeah, no, and he made quite a splash um, kind of early on in his career, coming out of the Rising Stars, um, you know, getting a Zanzi Super League contract, playing in the Zimbabwean uh, white ball and test sides. Um, and, you know, this is, <laughs> this is something I always tell, say to people, and it's the hill I'll die on, that um, it, Every team needs a leg spinner, yeah, and 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 a, and a and a proper leg spinner, yes. someone who's in the team to bowl leg spin, not someone who can also bowl leg spin. Yeah. To take n absolutely nothing away from from Ryan Bull's bowling, and I wish they'd bowl him a bit more actually. But to have um, to have a wrist spinner in your side is just such such a valuable thing, no matter the format of cricket that you're playing. Um, yeah, I've also been kind of. Keeping, keeping an eye on Brandon Mavuta's figures coming out of domestic cricket. And um, he seems to be bowling well and he's certainly taking wickets, which is the thing you want to see from a leg spinner, I think. Um, the runs kind of, you know, don't, don't matter as much to me. I don't mind uh, if, if a leggy leaks a bit. It's a leg spinner. taking wickets. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What, what I also like, Liam, is I like to see a spinner work for their wickets. Mm. So in a four-day game, and we've seen this regularly, where you'll see a spinner bowl 15 or 16 overs in an entire four-day match and, and he's maybe taken eight or nine wickets that immediately tells me that the opposition that he's playing against isn't a particular aren't particularly good players of spin mm. what i'm seeing from brandon is he's, he's bowling 30 plus overs quite regularly in order to get the amount of wickets that he's getting which to me is outstanding um, unfortunately, I have to roll back the years again to the 1990s, but it's, it's a point that I have to make. There was a, a um, Logan Cup game, Mishanaland versus Matabeleland at Alex Sports Club. And Paul Strang bowled 57 overs against Matabeleland and in order to get the wickets of Mark Decker and Guy Whittle. And uh, Guy Whittle got 100. Guy Whittle actually got a double 100 and Mark Decker got 100. But Strang got rid of both of them. But the point is, he had to bowl very, very long spells mm. to get them. So he, he, he had to work very hard for those wickets, you know. And, and that, to me, is fantastic. So I, I like to see something similar with all the spinners in Zimbabwe. I don't want to see them just bowl in, in the first innings of a, of a four-day game, you know, 11 or 12 overs and end with four for 31. Mm. No, well, if you see figures like that, I always think it must be a bit of a sketchy pitch yeah, that they're yeah, playing. You know, he's run, you run through a side in the first innings, bowling too. 10 overs. But, but regardless of what's the first or the second innings, yeah. uh, he, they must be made to work for their wickets, you know. So um, I remember that um, Mark Decker was caught at backward point and Guy Whittle was out to the googly, um, LBW. So, but the thing is, you know, like I said, 57 overs and he, I don't know, three or four for a hundred and something. And that's good as you, because as you very correctly say, it doesn't really matter if the leg spinner leaks runs. If he's going to get you your wickets, ultimately he's on the side as an attacking bowler, not as a containing bowler. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. 
um, now we just need a, a leg spinner on the women's side. I think that's that's possibly. I mean, getting a Nesu Mushangwe back well, in the Zim cricket setup would be would that be pretty would be because nice. I was about to ask you where is a Nesu Mushangwe? You know, I know she's in Australia, mm. but what what is happening? Why can't we get her to come back here? Because goodness me, that girl is one incredibly talented young lady. Absolutely, as I understand it, she's certainly not called time on her connection to Zimbabwe, her Zim career, or anything like that, but is trying to come to some sort of. Um, arrangement where she can continue to play to play in the Big Bash League, but to be a, available for Z for Zimbabwe, perhaps uh, more for tournaments and things like that. Kind of maybe a little similar to what Sean Mayers did for a couple of years. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, she's she's done well. She looks good in the field as well. Good fielder. Um, and I a leg spinner. I mean, we need, you know, every, every team needs a leg spinner. No, no, so. don't even get me started on that because <laughs> I'm the, I am the chairman of the Leg Spinners Association, lifelong president of the Chairman's Association, mm. uh, of the Leg Spinners Association, <laughs> I beg your pardon. But uh, let's speak about chairmans and presidents because I think we also need to talk about the crowds, mm. Liam. The crowds here in Zimbabwe have been outstanding when, especially throughout the World Cup qualifiers, and then when Bangladesh and India were here, I mean, I was interviewing Brad Evans and that was the very first thing he brought up in our conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been incredible, hasn't it? And it's, there's this kind of uh, nucleus of, of supporters. I mean, there's, there's always been support for Zimbabwe cricket, not yes, obviously has. quite vocal support or anything, but uh, there's just been a different energy this year, hasn't it? And they, they almost become, you know, I mean, I'm sure players have, have said this as well, but the crowd can become kind of like the 12th man or the, yes, the kind of extra correct. player just just to lift yeah. the team. And um, and it's, yeah, it's been great. And even to see that, obviously, um, the support at home has been really good, um, but also the support uh, even at the World Cup, Zimbabwe wins in the diaspora, they they went to a few of the games oh, that was and, incredible. and they met each yeah. other in the stands and they mm. were doing the same thing you know they were, they brought joy and song and dance uh to to every game that zimbabwe played and what a difference it made and it even got the attention of the barmy army on twitter <laughs> who who um i mean i'd love to see that game and i hope we see it soon but uh kind of the wow. the barmy army and Wouldn't the zimbabwe cricket amazing. supporters union facing oh. off across the across harare sports, sports club. club wouldn't that be amazing you know because in the 1990s when zimbabwe had the success against england there was a very big barmy army contingent contingent and i mean properly big mm. um but it's not the same, you know, it wasn't the same. And I mean, to be fair, um, Zimbabwe crowds in those days, they clapped at an event, but other than that, they just drank beer and abused the players, <laughs> you know, but, but they, they, they clapped when something happened. But yeah. th this crowd is a very, very different crowd. Mm. You know, they, they follow the, the game, it's almost like reading a, a book chapter by chapter, mm. paragraph by paragraph with this crowd, because they, they read and, under, and, and they're so close to the game. And, and they every take ball, every chapters. ball, no matter yes. what happens. It's an event. Yeah, yeah. It's an event. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I mean, when we have those World Cup qualifiers later on, don't be surprised if that passionate support of, of the crowds actually gets Zimbabwe through. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, kind of mentioning um, uh, Barmy Army, Zim cricket supporters, I'm not sure how many of them will turn up at this game, but... Uh, Zimbabwe are playing England on the 15th of January um, at the inaugural uh, Women's Under-19 World Cup. And uh, ah. we haven't seen Zimbabwe v England 
uh, at any other strata of Zimbabwean cricket, but that that uh, will be an interesting um, kind of. My matchup. goodness me! My, the, off the top of my head, the last time at, in, that Zimbabwe played England in any format uh, at any level, uh, well, there may have been maybe under nineteen stuff, but the one that, that I remember was two thousand and seven at Newlands. Mm. Kevin Peterson getting a half century and Chris Schofield bowling very well. Mm -hmm. um, Zimbabwe initially got off to a flyer. But but Chris Schofield then just put the brakes on, and he was a leg spinner who then started bowling medium pace, mm -hmm. and unfortunately sealed the deal. Um, Liam, let's talk about this Under-19 World Cup, that uh, the inaugural Under-19 Women's World Cup, which will be held in Benoni, South Africa. You're going to be there, aren't you? I absolutely am. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, cricket's the only thing that would take me to Benoni <laughs> or the Vos. I was going to say, what about the Bulawos? There's good Bulawos yeah, there, surely. Yeah, uh, yeah. Benoni, Benoni, and Poch. I think the the Zim England game is actually in, in, in Poch. Starts off in Benoni, the tournament, and then moves to Pochostrom. Um, but yeah, quite uh, quite an occasion. About time that uh, there was. Um, a, a global tournament for the under-19 women. Uh, great development and great to see Zimbabwe there as well. And even better than that, um, great to be excited about um, some of the young talent that's coming up in the, in the women's game. The first name that springs to mind for me is Kelis uh, Ndlovu, um, oh, yes. who obviously plays for the senior women's team as well, um, captaining the under-19s. And I think gives us a decent, a decent chance there. Um, I'm hoping for you know, at at minimum a top 10 finish, uh, ideally top five for Zimbabwe at this event. And, and who knows, perhaps we could even scrape into a semi. Um, I'd be very, I'd be very pleased at that. But um, uh, yeah, I, I'm very interested to, to kind of have a look at the um, under 19 side um, and see, see, see what sort of talent is there apart from um, Ndlovu. Um, because it would be good to have a senior women, a women's team um, at a World Cup as well. Um, they came so close, um, but uh, it was not to be, obviously, in 2022, falling just short against Ireland in a game that they honestly should have won. They should have won that. Now, now you, you mentioned something about strategy there, that, way, that Zimbabwe went slightly wrong. What's your, what was that? Well, just, just watching the game, it was one of those tricky chases so it wasn't a huge total but it wasn't a small one either um, and Zimbabwe did the first the first part of their uh, chase I think went went absolutely right um, and they then they were pretty set up when Marianne Masonda was at the crease um, you know they, they were ticking over they they were they the run rate was still kind of in touch uh, but then a wicket or two fell and uh, the run the, the, the required rate um, escalated, and I, I honestly thought this is the situation for Precious Morange to come in, because um, she she might not bat for a long time, but as, when she's at the crease, she's going to hit boundaries. Oh, That's what she will. does; she yeah. hits boundaries. Um, and there was she should have been in earlier because she was not out at the end, nine off seven balls, um, and Zimbabwe lose by four runs. If she'd been able to face another over, if she'd come in one or two positions higher, then I think it was it might have been as low as eight. I think she might have come in. Um, Zimbabwe could have had a, a, a team at the Senior Women's T20 World Cup, which obviously is also in South Africa uh, this year. Wow. Would that, uh, there's no point in even trying to say it because that just hurts a bit too much. Mm. But it would have been wonderful. And, and, and I know that a lot of people have been a little concerned that a lot of fans have felt that there's been a bit of stagnation in terms of younger players 
uh, coming through the ranks in, in the women's game. Mm. But the fact now that, that Zimbabwe have an under-19 uh, or a side at the under-19 World Cup, mm-hmm. and it is my sincere hope that they're not just there to, to make up the numbers or you know, just to say, well, all we want to do is to be and to learn. You know, I hope that they're there with the right attitude and to say, well, we, we're here to, to play to the best of our ability and to win games. Absolutely. Um, because yeah. by, by, by doing that, you, again, you will have a scenario where you'll have younger players coming into the side and you will then have more of a, a blend or combination of youth and experience as opposed to a predominantly experienced side. I mean, a lot of the players in the ladies are, aren't getting any younger either and there's motherhood and, you know, all the natural and natural things that happen in life. So wouldn't it be wonderful if Zimbabwe could come back and say, wow, we have unearthed some really, really talented players here. Yeah, and hopefully, yeah, Kalis and Love is not the, is not the last of it. I'm hoping yes, to absolutely. Um, yeah, oh, have, absolutely. have a look at the other players there and see mm. see who really stands out. Yeah. But you're, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right there, Dean. Um, we, we're getting the balance right in the men's team, I think, with the experience and youth. And, and to, do the, to do the same thing with the women's side would, be, would just be so great. Getting the balance right, excuse the pun. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, listen, it's been wonderful. You know what? We could carry on like this all day. Uh, but I know that uh, time waits for no one. Um, to you, if you'd like to get involved with the podcast, the Dean at Stumps podcast, perhaps you'd like to contribute uh, and, and sponsor the podcast. Now, that would be a thing of beauty. And you can do so by reaching out uh, to uh, me on Twitter at Dean underscore P-L-E-S-S-I-S. Or you can send me an email on dean.duplessis77 at icloud.com. And uh, what is your Twitter handle, Liam? Just, I mean, you have so many followers already, but you might as well just... <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Gomorejidina. Um, or just look for Liam Brickle on Twitter. Um, <laughs> yeah, I also, apart from writing, I also uh, do videography and photography these days. So ah. look, look me up on Instagram or on YouTube as well. Um, got some stuff there. And uh, it's not all cricket stuff, but there's, there's plenty uh, to get stuck in with there. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be starting a project very soon called The Blind Binauralist, which is not cricket. Um, should I tell you what it's about? Please do. That sounds fascinating. Well, you'll just have to wait and see. You've been listening to the Dnut Stumps podcast. It's been a joy being with you, and uh, we'll be back pretty soon as we make our build-up towards the Zimbabwe Island series, which gets underway later on in January. Thank you very much for listening. Take care, and goodbye.